happy to be joined today by Jeff Day from the Star Tribune. Jeff's been on with me a bunch on a bunch of different things, but Jeff, you have really good story on young tennis prodigy Max Exted, Sunday's paper on Star Tribune, startribune.com right now. Um, really interesting piece. You don't see a lot of tennis prodigies from Minnesota, right? Give me, give me kind of the the backstory, and then we'll kind of get into you know everything that his his life entails. Yeah, so we should start by saying I'm a big tennis fan. Okay, um, and my first into this was an email from Nyla, um, one of our sports editors, yeah. and you know Vikings team leader, and also a big tennis fan. Big tennis fan. She was a tennis editor at the at New, York New York Times, Times right? Yes. yes, and so she sent me this email that she had gotten from John Wheaton at Inner City Tennis. This was about. I don't know. This was about a year ago or okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, that there were two young players coming to this Excellence Cup that had some real uh, pedigree from Minnesota. Okay. And Max was one of them. Um, at the time, I didn't report the story. I didn't. I, we got it too late. By the time I was reading it, it was like that weekend I didn't go. But I remember thinking, oh, this is interesting. There's a young kid yeah. from here that's a good tennis player. I didn't know anything about him. Right. Um, and I got his dad's phone number and called him, and they were just about to go overseas to the French Open to play at the juniors, you know, the junior level at the Mm -hmm. French Open. And they were at the airport. I talked to his dad for an hour and a half the first time we got on the phone. Okay. Because if you care about tennis, um, hearing what was happening with this young man was like, oh, a young man, boy. I often struggle with a 16-year-old. He's 16. He's 16. He's in that transitory phase. Um, It was so exciting. And this story, I think if you read it, um, this story could have been longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, every story can. Ev- every, yes. But I mean, this yeah. truly could have. Sure. His origin, if you want to call it that, the story mm-hmm. that we are just catching up to, right, is unbelievable. Okay. He when you the story the word prodigy does not does not land in this story. It's not in the headline. I don't no. think. No. I don't. Think. I we'll said see. it. You said, I said it. it. Well, and I said it, but I didn't okay. write it because okay. it's a it's a heavy term. It is. But it is what he is. Okay. Um, in that he is precocious. He was a precocious talent, the sort of thing that his parents even would look at each other and say, what are we witnessing here? He had a, an incredible aptitude for visual learning. He would watch his older brother and sister at practice. He's the youngest of three kids. And he would just sort of be like they, his parents have these stories where it's like he was just absorbing. And he wasn't a child that would wander or have sort of, you know, his attention floating this way and that. He had a sort of a preternatural ability to focus. Okay. And it manifested in tennis. And it manifested with him picking up rackets and swinging and hitting balls at ages that people just aren't doing it, aren't doing that kind of thing. Right. And I think I led the story. Or you I did, did, yeah. Yeah, I led the story with this kind of fun anecdote about this video they posted um, that got, it went viral in the days when you went more authentically viral. And yes, it's you, not, not a manufactured viral, a very no. wholesome viral, wholesome it seems viral. Like. Yeah. And the video itself, you know, his dad Chris has talked about how the uh, the editing production on it is very, you know, iMovie 2000 and <laughs> 2012 <laughs> right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but within that, I said when I saw it, it reminded me a bit of those Tiger Woods clips when you see yeah. him um, when he's a little boy swinging a club. Max is doing the same thing. He's swinging a tennis racket in a way that is, you're just going, wow, this is unbelievable. What, what am I seeing here? The reason that I say that his origin story could provide a lot more is because he has incrementally continued to develop that talent. So whatever that innate, God-given gift was, right. he has turned that into a real... You, if you want to call it a career or a real trajectory, yes, he has manifested that talent. 
So he become he wins his first singles title in the United States, a national championship at twelve. Okay, and it was around then that um, he sort of started down this path where it was like what the story is about is sort of what do you do with a kid who has an extreme level of talent in a sport that uh, A, is global, mm-hmm. and B, while there is a, an amazing amount of Minnesota passion around tennis, and there have been incredible tennis players to come out of Minnesota. David Wheaton came out of so- Minnesota. Yes. Marty Fish came out of Minnesota. Right. We're just talking about the yeah. men's side right now. Yeah. Um, Michael Chang even grew up and spent his formative years in St. Paul. This is long forgotten. Um, Minnesota, there's always a Minnesota connection. Always a Minnesota always. connection. Always. Yeah. Um, but this is – he remains at his heart a Minnesota kid, but he is no longer in Minnesota. Right. Um, and so anyway, these were sort of – that initial discussion with his dad was this uh, – for me, it was this feeling of real excitement. The more I reported on it, it became to me um, – I was trying to figure out – and I've talked with them about this. I've talked with Max about it. This story is about Max – um, it's about his talent, but the more I reported it, the more I thought about it. It became a story about his family. Yeah. And really, when you learn about his brother and sister, his mom and dad, their connection to tennis. Sure. Um, and the other part is just like when when we all are watching tennis, when it comes into our you know American sports landscape, generally on a major or uh, Wimbledon or the French or the Australian or the U.S. Open. You look in that player box, and what do you see there? You see their families. That's yeah. always the deal. It is an isolating sport, and you need foundation underneath you. So in trying to tell this first thing of, like, who is this kid? What is he doing? Um, I started at the level he's at where he is right now. Yeah. The angle that felt most natural to me was to try to tell the family story alongside his incredible youth career and the place that he's at in the world. So Max X at 16 years old. Right now, from this from this family, his siblings played tennis. They were quite accomplished in their own right. It sounds like they both played collegiately. One of them played at least like some tournaments, you know, internationally, things like that. So this is definitely a, ten, a, a family that's got some tennis in its in some love for tennis. But what what um, you know? Before we kind of dive back into that, I'm curious. Like, what's a what's I don't even say like a day in the life because it's 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 all different, right? Like, what is life like? For 16-year-old Max Exted right now. So this is a transitionary time for him in a life that has been sort of always in transition. Okay. So I think there have been more static times of his development where it's like he has been down in Florida at the USTA National Campus training, playing in tournaments, but really focused on that day-to-day development and just growing his game. Um, But... This past year really was his introduction to this international life. That's kind of where we grab him. Like I said, he's on that plane getting ready. Now, he had been playing international tournaments prior to this year, but this was his first hit of the Junior Grand Slams. Uh, It was his first Junior Davis Cup. Um, It was when I think the – how to describe this time? It's like he is still just a bundle of talent. His coaches would tell him routinely that – you know, you are good. You are not a great tennis player. (laughs) Right. You are one of the top tennis players for your age in the United States. That in tennis doesn't mean much for a number of reasons. The biggest being that tennis is global and that the pool of players who can compete, make money, 
earn a living, build a life in tennis is capped around, I don't know, 150, 200. Yeah. Nobody's telling you who the 150th ranked tennis player, men's tennis player in the world is. That is just an unknown name. Right. Um, And so part of this is that the pool of talent. Can we go on the quickest aside that you and I will ever go on? Yes. Absolutely. There's a period of time in the story where I really wanted to focus on the money of tennis. Which is fascinating. I was just I was I was thinking about that as you were talking because it's like you don't get a three year, twenty one million dollar contract in tennis. You start with you wrote about it. you start with zero. You zero. You earn everything you make. You play as many tournaments as you can or as you want to, and how where you finish determines your income for that year. And that is true for Novak Djokovic. It is true for any it's true for Max Exted, who has some ATP points which is the highest level of men's tennis, right? Um, the, 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 the rabbit hole I went down once yeah. was that Jaden McDaniels signed this five-year contract, okay? <laughs> this is where your love of the Wolves, and Max, and loves, Max, the, Max loves, loves the Wolves, too. Yes, Max, he loves the Wolves. His whole family so, loves the Wolves. So this is okay. Max Exted, yes. in his room, yeah. has a poster of the 2011-12 Timberwolves and can name every player. And I, as I was standing there looking at this poster, I thought oh. to myself, this might be the only one left. Like, this might not exist. The Wolves might not even have this. Luke Ridenour. Oh, wow. Um, Rubio, Pekovic, um, Kevin Love. I, I'm trying to think if... I don't think J.J. Barea was on it. We, we went through all the players, and he wow. had a couple that I couldn't quite nail. But yeah. um, Anthony Tolliver might have been on that team. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, it was just... That's I, amazing. Yeah, he loves yeah. the Wolves. Okay. He is a basketball fan at heart. His okay. closet is like... He would. He pulled out... I am not... I, this is no joke. Yeah. 45 jerseys of different wow. players that his brother, it's like him and his brother had yeah. like accumulated this crazy okay. collection. Okay. And they're all from when he was like 12 or 13 because he has okay. nothing in his house for his current age. Because he's in he's, Florida all he's the time. A, yeah, we're playing he's, in these playing international in, tournaments. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Jaden McDaniels, though. Yes. Uh, Jaden McDaniels signs his five year deal, whatever yeah. it was worth. 135, I think. Yeah. That five year contract will pay him more money from his sport than any tennis player in history except for Novak. It is more than Roger wow. Federer earned in his entire playing career. It's more than Rafael Nadal earned in his entire playing career. Wow. Now, Federer is a billionaire because Federer gets the Rolex and he yes, gets the Berea right. pasta right. and he gets all of this stuff. <laughs> I didn't know he had the Berea pasta. Oh, you got to know about the Berea pasta. I didn't pasta. know that. Why do I get Berea every time I go to the grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> it's because of my man. Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> podcast is not sponsored by Berea. No, by but, but... It's okay. We are or Berea. Yeah, Berea. Um... Wow. Where were we? We're on a rabbit hole, but it's okay. It's a good rabbit hole. That's what podcasts are for. So we're talking about the money in tennis. You have to earn every bit of it, it, it aside from the sponsorships and the endorsements yes. and things like, like the money you earn playing, you earn. But really where we were, I think, was talking about sort of where he is right now. Yes. And, and the fact that he was in this year where he is, you know, what's a day in the life of him like? So if his life had been sort of training development, this year and maybe a couple of months before we start talking with him is when we're pushing out. The USTA is pushing him out. His coaches are pushing him out. It's like it still is about the day-to-day development, but you're going to start getting your feet wet in this world of where do I rack up, you know, when it comes to everybody else that's my age yeah. in um, tennis globally. And the only way to do that is to go out and do it. Um, now, there's a person in this story who's never mentioned, and his name's John Wheaton. His yeah. brother, David Wheaton, okay. is mentioned. I was wondering if John and David are—I yeah. assume they were related yes. when you brought him up. And jo- there, yes. yes. Um, it's just one of the things about reporting a story of a long period of time. Sometimes great sources become different things. And again, that's what podcasts are for. Yeah, it's exactly. the extras. It's the outtakes. John was David's manager. John was a really, really great tennis player, youth tennis player in Minnesota. His brother, David, became this great tennis player in mm-hmm. the pros. And John now runs Inner City Tennis, which yep. is the bubble— 
over yes. on like, like Nicolet. And Nicolet. And, yeah. yeah. Um, he's the executive director. And he also worked down at IMG, um, that Nick Balatieri school yeah. of tennis back in the day. Um, and he has been around tennis his whole life. Okay. And he talked about what Max is going through from a position of real expertise. Yeah. Because he watched it happen with his brother, and he's watched it. He's watched, you know, thousands and thousands of junior of course, players yeah. come across his 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 work. Um, he sees in Max what everybody sees in Max, which is the potential, the real potential, not the oh maybe, but no. This is he said he's. It's the kind of thing that he says he would never say to a parent that your kid has actual pro potential unless he really meant it because yeah. he's just seen it. Um, and the reason that I think he hesitates to sometimes put that weight or that possibility is because this is not easy. No. The money involved, the travel involved, the time involved, um, you are going to send your kid out into a completely different form of existence if you're going to try to do this. There are other ways to do it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, but because of Max's talent level, he is at this tip of the spear of, of talent. And so, like, his, John's brother, David Wheaton, like I said, this great junior tennis player who won a junior U.S. Open, who went to the pros. When I was talking to him about Max, he doesn't know Max hardly at all, but he knows Max. <laughs> He's like, right. he was just saying that right now is the phase where you are going to be tested because all you have done your whole life is what? Win. Win. Yeah. You are the best in yes. America. There might be a couple of other American kids that can push you, but it's like... You're just trouncing people. You're trouncing people that are five, six years older than you. And, you who, are, are, and who are also very good. Who are very yes. good. He, they, his dad would tell stories about Max when he was little playing like eight and playing a 13-year-old and beating that kid. And then Max is like, Max was little when he was growing up. Yeah. Head at the net, reaching yeah. up to to shake hands with his opponent. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a little kid just smoking people. Right. Um, and so anyway, the reason that this is a really fun time, I think, to look at Max and to think about what he's going through is because he is having to accept a lot of different learning <laughs> spaces yeah. right now. You have to keep developing. You're losing. So you have, to, you have to kind of comprehend and get comfortable losing. Max understands that. His coaches have worked with him on that. You are a junior player right now. As, as callous as this sounds, it's like that isn't the point. Right. Doesn't matter how good you are right. as a junior. Doesn't matter if you win the U.S. Open as a junior. Doesn't matter if you win Wimbledon as a junior. We are trying to cultivate and develop a professional talent here. Um, and anyway, so the Europeans internationally, this is just par for the course. This is how they have kind of operated yeah. with young talent forever. The U.S., I think it is viewed a certain kind of way. It's like when I was reporting on Max at first, I was thinking about other youth sports and, and yeah. other kind of gymnastics or volleyball, volleyball. Even basketball. Yeah. I think about right. Chad Holmgren or something sure. like that. The thing that differentiates it is the structure is international. So it... It just, the United States does not have the structure of tennis in the way, because it's such a gigantic yeah. landscape. Right, Minnesota, if you want to be great in tennis, you can't really do it just in Minnesota. Right. You know what I mean? You have to go down south. You have to go to these very specific areas that are built into that. And so Max is training all of this work. The day in the life of Max Exted has been tennis. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah. He's studying. He's smart. He's from a smart family. Like, he's an intelligent young man. He's 16, though. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. he's 16. I, of course. I think I have some language in the story about, like, when you meet a great talent at a young age, 
the thing that struck me most initially was this is a 16-year-old. Right. And so for me, I look at him and I go, you have a lot of things going for you, but probably the core thing about your life right now that is equal to everybody else is that you are 16. And so whatever you're about to become, it is in, it is in transition. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. He does seem to understand kind of the journey, though. I want to play a little segment that you, a little back and forth between the two of you uh, that you recorded, it seemed like a few months ago, just kind of talking about the process, like how you get better, how you can't focus too much right now on the results. You've got to focus on what might come next. And this was the first time I met him in person. So this is an important point of this story and reporting this story. Max was in Minnesota for 14 days last year. I got to spend personal time with him three times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I spent good time with him and all of that kind of stuff, but I was really excited just to sit and talk to him. And at this particular event, he was in town at Inner City Tennis, Okay. um, and he was working with these little kids. He likes to come back. It's where he started playing. Whenever he's in town, he goes and, like, helps them to just run these little weekend camps. He's great. And it's funny because you're looking at these little kids, and it's like, he wasn't that long ago, that eight-year-old, you know? Um, But when I sat and talked with him, exactly like you're saying, this was kind of my curiosity. Like, how are you processing what you're going through right now? Well, let's listen to that right now. I mean, it takes a lot of mental focus, you know, just to um, like process those losses. Yep. I mean, they're really tough, you know. I mean, you give your all, don't, don't get it out, but I mean, the wins definitely feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I love to compete, you know, I'm a pretty competitive guy. Just like playing anything, like uh, in Orlando, they have basketball, and I'm a big basketball guy, so yeah. I play those, I'm really competitive. But, I mean, to process the wins and losses, I mean, I try not to, to let it affect me too much just because, like, when I'm on the court, you know, at this age especially, you're trying to, like, be what you want to be in five years and not, like, right. win all the juniors. You know, because there's been some guys that, like, like win now and then when they get to the pro level they didn't really focus or when they were younger they didn't focus on their game as much gotcha so they didn't they didn't do as great but you talk about when they get to that when they get to that pro level and you're right. that's okay yeah yeah right. you might excel at juniors but then you go to hit that next uh-huh. and you have like, to, like a guy like Alcaraz he was um you know everybody knew he was going to be good this is coming from my coach everybody yeah. knew he was going to be good he never won any junior grand slam or anything mm. but he stopped playing in juniors I think at 17 years old but he was always, you know, playing big forehands and just flying around the court. So everybody knew, like, he was, like, trying to perfect his craft and trying to get improve and see what you're going to be yeah. in, like, five years. Yeah. And now, well, yeah, look what he's doing. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you put pressure on yourself or do you try to just say day-to-day you know what I mean I just wonder about that uh yeah I mean (laughs) you want to focus on the day-to-day yeah it's it's really hard um I do put a lot of pressure on myself you know the results it's it's not easy to you know deal with it sometimes but I think it's the thing that comes with 
with tennis, you know? Yeah. Or just sports in general, you know? You're going to have pressure. It's just how you deal with it. It's really how you, how you, how you can improve and uh, have the results you want to. Yeah. You want to win all the time, and he's been very successful. He just went to the Australian Open and was the junior doubles champion right <laughs> yeah, so it's like yeah. you you can have both you can you can have the process and the results but if you focus on the results too much you are going to fall into a trap right you might not improve you might not be ready to work on parts of your game that might need to be worked on things like that so it's it's a pretty mature approach especially when it's probably hard for him to lose now that now that the competition gets harder because he's so used to winning like yeah. any anybody who's used to winning when they get challenged, it can be hard. Yeah, I think too the having the coaching and the family support and kind of people who are understanding of that process. I think it's really essential because it is against the nature of what your expectations are. So if your expectation is that winning is the only thing that matters, or it's been the thing that has gotten you to this point, I think it can be super like swirly. Um, but he seems to handle it in a in a mature way. Um, I think being in the company of people that he's with is helpful, meaning his peers, not just right. his dad and his coaches and his family, his mom and his brother and sister, who I think are all trying to support him. But I think swimming in the water with kids yeah. your age who are doing a similar thing. Um, he's down in Paraguay right now. He just lost in the second round of singles, I think. And, you know, just think about what I just said to you. Yeah. Uh, you make a trip to Paraguay to go play tennis and you lose in the second round. And it's like, okay. Off to Brazil. That's where he's going next. Um, and part of this is getting into the mindset of what it is to be a pro. And for Max and his family, I really think you can. All, it's almost definitive that it doesn't seem like college is where he's going. No, I think they view this as now. Good players lately have been going to colleges. Okay. What do colleges provide you? They give you space to develop. They give you top level coaching. What's the most important thing that a college gives to a great tennis player? Money. You don't have to pay for the coaching. You don't have to pay for the development. You don't have to pay for the competition, right? And now you can get NIL, NIL money, NIL too. NIL money, yes. Yes. Um, all of this stuff, for a family like the Exteds, you know, tennis is hurt by a lot of different things in the way that it's talked about. But one yeah. is that it's a country club sport, right. kind of, you know. The Exteds, I have been in their home. Yeah. I have spent a lot of time getting to know them. These are <laughs> these are Minnesota people. These are like, they, uh, you know, in a way they remind me of somewhere between me and my parents. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they are your neighbors. Okay. They are yeah. just, you know, living a nice cul-de-sac down in Savage and they're hanging out and they're going to Buffalo Wild Wings to try right. to watch the Wolves because DirecTV is blacking out <laughs> Valley Sports North. These are, these are, yes. this is who we're talking about. The money they're spending is real. Um, they're trying to, I think, approach it in the right way, which is as a sort of investment in their child's future. Um, and the other part is, and I've, uh, you and I are both parents of, yeah. of young kids. Well, yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you about this. Yeah. And so I relate both to Max, but really I relate to his dad in a mm -hmm. lot of ways and his mom, like thinking about what would you do in this situation? Yeah. What would you do? Well, I, I don't know what I would do. I'm so, it's, you're torn, right? Like, yes. You, you have someone with this gift and you're like, how do we nurture this? But also like. How do you? Be, how are you away from them so much? Or how do you? Yes. Yes. Well, I think part of it is. Remember, this is also kind of a temporary. You know, I think they spend a lot of time with him. Sure. Because um, one of them always goes. Yeah, one of them goes with them on the trips. Yes, and yes. I think they try to get down to Florida, and they're balancing. But they're, this is again the money part. I think they yeah. spend the money to get the time. Okay. Um, but the way that you know, I've had 
a long conversation with him about this element of it would be really hard to deny something this right. ha- this apparent. And especially when, when you hear his parents talk about watching him young, and I don't mean young seven, I mean young one. Yeah. And they're going, something is different about him. His brother, his brother very casually used the phrase, you know, the phrase, a genius, a kind of genius. And I think what they're talking about is mental processing. Yeah. Looking at somebody who just sees the world a little differently and interacts with it a little differently. And so I think they're all like, how could you not try to do something with that? Or press? Because I've said to them, you know, just in conversation, I'm like, it's sort of to me is the is the point of being alive. You're trying to suss out what is it that makes me feel yeah. like I am part of this world or engaging with it or bringing something to it that is beneficial. Yes. They are already, and and David Wheaton, I get these Wheaton, I got to make sure I get my Wheatons right. David Wheaton had some really intelligent things to say about this because the pursuit can't be the only reason. Yeah. Um, and the Exteds are already thinking about this, about if you are going to pursue this, it has to be from a richer point of view than just money or success. It has to be because it's a, it's a sort of a, um, yeah, I don't know what you want to call it, a sort of... Ex- ampl- Existential goals. Well, or ampl- yeah, now like, Max wouldn't say this, yeah. but this is like an amplifying of your talent, sure. a, a gift that was given to you and see what you can do with it. Now, right. all of that highfalutin type yeah. stuff can go out the door in the day-to-day grind of this. Right. And that's the part that we try to get into in the story is like, you know, you're... You're going to play these tournaments. You lose second round. Okay, if a parent has traveled with you, they've uprooted their work life to go do this. They're having to balance, you know, work schedules, all this kind of stuff, right? Okay, how do you approach that from an even-keeled, hey, stuff happens. Let's keep developing. Let's stay on this path. Let's stay on this path that might take five years, you know? That is a difficult mental space. It's a space that I have a hard time fathoming because I would be the—it's the place where I feel like I could start becoming the crazy sports parent. right. They'd be like, are we going to get these wins? You know, but, but <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. At the same yeah. time, it's like then, you know, what's funny is they win the Junior Australian Open Doubles Championship. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, I'm, I was having little watch parties at my house because this was uh-huh. one of the rare times. Yeah. Talk about reporting. Yeah. You can't watch these matches. I'm getting updates either from the family or I'm going on obscure ITF websites to go track yeah. brackets, not even real time. Right. You know. But the junior majors are generally broadcast okay. or streams. Stream. They're not broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And ESPN Plus carries a lot of them. They had all the Australian Open stuff. So I was watching these doubles matches middle of the night or waking up early to watch them. And, you know, I think it can be hard when you're in this kind of process to not only handle or to not treat everything as the same. Meaning you've got to stay so even keeled that even winning a junior grand slam doesn't spike as crazy as you might think it would. Yeah. Because a day later, you're on a plane back home back to figuring out, okay, what's the next step of this development? Because again, like we said earlier, as much as that is an incredible thing for him to go play his first ever Australian Open, to fly his, to fly across the country or across mm-hmm. the world, yeah, you know, and devote all of that time and go win, you know, there were four junior titles handed out. He lost in the first round in singles in a fascinating match okay, against this kid from, I want to say he was from Germany. Anyway, I was watching, and this goes back to, in the story we talked about this kid, Hunter Heck, who's from yeah. New Brighton in right. Brighton, Illinois. Yeah. Watching these young people play tennis is very disorienting because they are so good. Yeah. And their power and their touch and their skill level. You know, Max is 16 playing a 21-year-old in Hunter Heck or, you know, 
Um, and I remember just sitting there watching, thinking I could watch this for three hours. Yeah, because you're just seeing this skill level that seems crazy, and you can see why people get excited about about his talent level. Um, and when you watch these junior Grand Slam matches, you're seeing his mind processing that he is in a different field, I think. You know what I mean? A yeah. different oh, talent yeah. field. Yes. Um, and he had a really good showing at the Junior French Open. Um, I can't, I'm trying to remember, I, I, yes, this is showing a bad job by me of being prepared here, but he had less stellar showings at Wimbledon and, and the U.S. Open when he played juniors there. Um, but he has had a great year of success playing Junior Grand Slam tournaments. And I still think that in general, for his family or for Max even to like appreciate that takes a great deal of effort of pulling back. Let's take a pause and think about where we were. His dad and I had a conversation when they were back in Florida about like, how do you pull back and just go, man, what an accomplishment. Like, you know, his journey is so um, involved and so detail oriented and so day to day. And But the investment that they're putting into it, you know, it's like, there are times where you just feel like it almost feels hard for them to just soak it in without just moving on to the next thing. And that's a higher level of thought. And that's yeah. what I was going to say about David Wheaton. He told me, um, we're just we're just talking here. I don't know. We're yeah. going all over the place. No, that's um, good. That's what we do. He was telling me this thing about when he was 24, he won this thing. Back in the day, they called it the Grand Slam Cup. Okay. They don't have it anymore. Now they have like the ATP end of year event. This was a quasi that. It okay. was a big tournament where they would get the players who had done the best in the Grand Slams, bring them all together for a big tournament and give them $2 million. It might have been the biggest purse in tennis at the time. And he's 24 and he defeats Michael Chang in the championship. He wins it. He wins $2 million bucks. Yeah. He's 24. Yeah. He, like, around the same time, he had a great showing at Wimbledon. You know, 1991, he's ranked number 12 in the world in men's singles. And the thing that he told me that was interesting was about in that moment of success, that's when his realization of questioning what he was going for came to hmm. him, of what was, okay, because the fade of that is very quick. Like, we're talking about with this win of an Australian, you know, an Australian Open yeah. Junior Doubles Championship, right? You win, and then what do you do? Right. You're back on the plane. You're coming home. Tennis is a lonely, isolating sport. You don't celebrate with, you know, maybe in doubles, I guess you do, and you'll get those moments. It's like why Kyrgios loves doubles. If you ever watch yeah. Nick Kyrgios, he yes. loves doubles because he loves basketball. He wants a teammate. Tennis is a sport that can destroy people because it's so psychologically naked. Yeah. When it's like you, golf. Like it, you're on there by yourself. By yourself. By yourself. Yes. No and teammates. No teammates. Unless and, doubles, yes, but yeah. yes. And no coaching. You know, you don't even have the caddy. At least right. God bless golf for that sweet caddy right. out there to fist pump with you right. and give you something special. Right. Um, tennis players have to look at their box, you know, look to their family, right. their, their you know, significant others or whatever they have in their life. Um, and I just think that that's one of the parts of this that I'm so excited about introducing people to him. Yeah. Because I think his, his journey is going to be a fun one to try to tell over the years. What is going to happen to him? What is this going to look like? What does his development look like? And how does he process all of this stuff as a young person trying to attain something that is really difficult, especially for a kid from Minnesota? Um, and how does he build that meaning, what he is searching for? Because his talent is there. Yeah. He is going to need the right coaching. He's going to need the right this, that, and the other thing. He's going to need the balls to bounce his way. He's going to have to hit the forehand just right. He's going to have to do all of that kind of stuff. But you can tell he has so much of that. Um, and so it's like this next part of his life is going to be fascinating to pay attention to. And like I said, the family will be instrumental in that. Yeah. Yeah. Royal Credit Union's smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. 
Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking. Insured by NCUA. Well, and there is like some hand wringing that goes on sometimes unnecessarily where we talk about these young athletes are not going to have a normal life. You, you're not you're not getting the regular high school experience. He's going to online school. He's going to all these places. And I think my frame of reference on this changed several years ago. This is this. Is, if you want aside, here's an aside. <laughs> I was at it was the Super Bowl that was here, and I was doing a whole bunch of stuff like on Radio Row. We were doing, doing a bunch of like live interviews, and it was kind of my job to just like grab anybody who would talk to me. And it was like talked to like a lot of fun people. Talked to Mayor Fry. Talked to Teddy Bridgewater. Talked to but they offered me JoJo Siwa. The this pop star YouTuber who my <laughs> now old my oldest daughter was probably like three at the time. She was a huge fan of hers. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to talk to Jojo Siwa because like my daughter's like a huge fan of hers. Let's let's bring her on. I know some of her songs. I'm, I, it was it was one of the most fun interviews I did there. But one of the things I said to her was like, you know, isn't this kind of weird? Like you, you know, she was like 16 or something at the time. I don't know exactly how old she was, but like she was you know touring all over the place. She was there at the Super Bowl to do something for Nickelodeon stuff like that. I'm like. She was like, this is the first football game I've ever been to. Mm. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, she's like, yeah, people are like talking about like, isn't it weird that you, you know, didn't get to go to, you know, a high school football game or things like that. And I'm like, isn't that strange? Like, don't you worry about not having the normal high school experience? And she's like, no, this is awesome. Like, I love my life. This is amazing. I, you know, I get to do all these cool things. So like sometimes some people are not meant to have normal lives and some people can just handle this. So sometimes I feel like we unnecessarily put stress on this idea of everybody has to have the same normal life. So that that's my aside to this. He seems like he's handled this pretty well, even if it is this looks strange to some of us from the outside. Yeah. And I had this feeling too, where I had this thought of, um, if you had a great student, some kind of math genius, you wouldn't pause and ask them like, well, what's going on with your tennis career? You know, like how much are you paying attention to that? I think it's a similar thought. It's he, it's not like he's being neglected in his education. No. He just is focusing on the gift that he has. Right. And I also juxtapose this <clears throat> really dramatically with youth sports. Yeah. The blanket term. Yeah. This is a young man who the United States Tennis Association has identified as a core pillar of their developmental program. You know right. what I mean? This yes. is not some, hey, we're going to give it a shot. We think the kid's got some right. talent. We're right. going out. We're going to go right. to Paraguay and see what's what. Um he is he is uh, in that small pool. He is like a Chet Holmgren. He is like a Paige Beckers. He is like a Caitlin Clark. It's like, will that manifest down the road? We don't know exactly. We don't know if he will make. But that that's common for any number of high-level athletes. You know, um, some become Carl Anthony Towns. Some become a Michael Obla Candy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we, we don't know what the final picture will be. But certainly at this stage of his life, it makes sense for him to, to chase this. Really quick, then, what what is next? Then, I mean, what's what's next on his tennis agenda? Like, how does this how does this look? How does he keep growing in what he's doing right now? Well, the the part that I um, have kind of been trying to figure out is that that is uh, uncertain. Yeah, he, you know, th- th- this is where um, it's almost hard to talk about because it is uncertain, and so I don't want to speak in certain T's or make it course, sound like yeah. I know. But what what they are juggling, what they are trying to figure out is this very question. Okay, 
you can keep playing juniors, obviously, and keep going down that path. They're doing these ITF entry-level events. Yeah. However, when you have success in juniors, that can open up doors to other things, to pro events. Like, for instance, the fact that he won a junior Grand Slam title in doubles might give him a chance to play in some pro events playing doubles okay. and things like that, or it might open some doors in that space. If you go and do really well at junior tournaments, um, it can then get you wildcard draws into other things. You know, it all just kind of plays out that way. I think the biggest thing for them to me seems to seems to have been this question of are we going to keep going pro or are we going to reconsider the college thing um i would say that that's probably the biggest check mark coming for them is this kind of what i would say a phrase that is you know that is common around the house it's like this all-in concept yeah um so i mean to me it's like the what's next for him is probably the continued development but really it's like a psychological change of like we're going pro yeah, that's the thing. Right. That's that's the real issue here. You either go college or you go pro, and it seems more and more that he's going to go pro, and then you start testing out what does that feel like. But you can jump, you know, because tennis is a space where people fall off quickly, because it is so damn hard and because right. it is so expensive yeah. and because it takes so much out of you. If you keep going, you can rise quickly. You know, you you don't know what you're capable of until you get into those spaces. It's like yeah. you find out with these junior grand slams. Now yeah. he's 16. So I believe that means he'll turn 17 this year. So this is like, you know, tennis does it. It's like uh, years. Okay. Two, two, your birth year, 20, yeah. 20, 2012, 2013, whatever. Yeah. And so his birth year, he'll. this is his 17 year right now. And so I think theoretically he could play juniors this year and next year if he wanted to. But I don't think they want to do that because like we've said yeah. here, the juniors isn't the point. Right. He's a really good junior player. He can go out there and compete. He's winning. He's losing, whatever. But eventually they're going to want to get into the space of if you're going to hire coaches, yep. if you're going to ha- – because eventually when you're out of that USTA program, okay, the personal costs become crazy. There is no money in this sport as we've gone over here yeah. before. You have to get a sponsorship. He has some sponsorships now that are what you would call like cursory intro sponsorships, some you know Adidas sending him clothes and things like that, Babalat sending him strings and rackets. That stuff helps keep expenses down. But it's not the same as a major right. sponsorship right. contract or things like that. But in order to get that, you've got to you're going to have to prove something. Now, yeah. it's interesting when you brought up NIL. It got me thinking. Like, uh, I wonder where they are in these kind of spaces. This isn't a know. college player, so it's not like he needs right. college. But I'm talking about. I wonder how corporations and people look at a person like Max who is outside of right. You know the structures of traditional American sports. It's kind of an interesting space. But anyway, so what's next for him? I think is really this pro path and yeah. and making that that permanent decision to to segue out of juniors and get into the pros. Fascinating story. Really well done, Jeff Day. Uh, everybody go read it um, in your Sunday newspaper or on StarTribune.com. Jeff, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon, and I'm sure uh, we will be following Max Exted's career as uh, as it wherever it takes him next. Well, and I should say before we sign off that their, his family was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were good with their time and talking about their personal lives and letting me into that. It's like... Uh, you get lucky as a journalist sometimes that the person you're trying to report on has uh, a willingness to engage in that stuff. When you have a 16-year-old kid, you know, it's a delicate space, and they were really great about trying to uh, share and illuminate what's going on. That's awesome. Great again, uh, Jeff. Glad we got to do this. Take care, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you, Rambo. Thank you, Rambo.